adulterous, friendship, and world. And we studied that. We defined that. We looked at supporting scriptures for those, and we want to kind of finish our last sub-point, dealing with that world and this fallen world system. And what steps should we take to avoid being influenced, contaminated, and overtaken by this world system? And that's what we're going to look at. So if you would, James 4, verse 1. um, James writes, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire to battle within you? There's fights going on among people of God. He says, you want something, you don't get it. You kill and you covet. You can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight and you don't have it because you don't ask God. Then when you do ask God, you don't receive it because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Verse 4. Um, five and six will be our focus. You adulterous people, he writes, what's he saying? You unfaithful people. We studied that last time. You're not being faithful to the covenant. You're not being faithful to the one that saved you. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world, with that fallen system that rejects the Bible, that rejects Jesus, that rejects the authority of God to rule over his creation? The world, don't you know that friendship with the world, hatred towards God? And anyone who chooses make that choice to be a friend with this fallen world that mocks the Lord, that mocks everything that he stands for, that, that mocks the fact that he shed his blood for us. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? But you know what? He gives us grace. He gives us more grace. He gives us more grace than the world has pressure. Amen? He gives us more grace than the devil has lies. Amen? He gives us more grace than this fallen world has deceptions and all that. He gives us more grace. And that's why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but good, 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 good. He gives grace to the humble. Amen? We're going to stop right there. So we stopped last time um, in verse 4 where we talked about the world, friendship with the world. And we said as we study the Bible, we find out that fallen world system that tries to deceive us and defile us and separate us from God and confuse us, amen? Humanism, we put ourselves at the center and not God. Well, we said last time that look out, don't be contaminated by this world. Don't be spotted. That's James, the first chapter. Don't let, be influenced by it. Don't let it influence your thinking and your decisions and, and your choices and your values. And then we said that if you get contaminated by it, you'll start to be too fond of it And the Bible says, don't be a friend of the world. We read that in the fourth chapter right here. Don't be a friend of that world. It starts to contaminate you. You start getting fond of it. From there, if you get fond of it, you might start loving the world. First John, the second chapter, we read that. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Talk about the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the eyes and so forth. And and don't get a strong affection for those things that mock holiness, for those things that mock the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because what happens, if you get contaminated by the world, and then you start to become too fond of the world, and then slowly you start getting affection or love for the world, look out, you'll start getting conformed to the image of the world. And we studied that, didn't we, in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to the image. You start getting pressed by the pressure of this world to look like the world and act like the world. Because if you do that, you might get condemned with the world. We read that, 1 Corinthians 11, read that. So we ask ourselves tonight, now, our three verses here, um, four, five, six, and even seven, these four verses, so beautiful. 
They're going to tell us on one hand how to reject the world and then how to tap in to God's grace. We need to recognize the world needs to be pushed away, rejected, but the grace of God needs to be tapped into and received. Amen? And we're going to, that's the whole study for the next few weeks. But let's start out like this. To protect ourselves from the world's influence, from the world's trappings and deceptions. I'm going to give you these four thoughts. And basically, if you raise kids in the church, even if you weren't saved and you were raising kids, chances are these four things are going to sound familiar. Sometimes I look at our group, and sometimes on Wednesday night it can be an older group. And I know we've been there and done that, amen? But, but it's, uh, it's all Bible stuff. So number one, if you want to overcome the spirit of the world, number one, watch your associations. Number two, watch your activities. Number three, watch your affections. Got to guard that heart. And number four, watch your advice. Who are you listening to? Where are you getting advice? Are you ready? Number one, if you want to overcome the but God says, if you're a friend of the world, you're my enemy. So that's pretty serious, amen? So, so I want to make sure I guard my mind, my heart, my emotions from being sucked in. You know, they'll make you start feeling bad if you're not applauding murdering a baby in the womb. This world's so crazy. They'll get haughty as if looking down on you because you don't applaud murder. I'm saying the world's crazy. They'll make you think like you're something wrong if you don't think the boy can become a girl. And girl. I mean, it's, the world is sick in sin. And then they're going to make want you to feel like you're out of whack. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we're going to go by the book. We're going to live by the book. Amen? So, number one, let's watch our associations. If you raise kids, you know this one. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Don't be misled. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Amen? I know we've all seen more than once, sometimes people, you try to be the missionary and you wind up in the mission field. Amen? Uh, you, you know, <laughs> you, you, if you took a bad apple and threw it in that barrel, that barrel's not going to make that bad apple good. That bad apple's going to affect all the good ones. You've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. It's one thing when you're witnessing to someone, but you better watch out that you're strong enough they're not witnessing to you. And if you've raised kids, one of the first things you taught them, choose your friends wisely. You monitored their friends. Who are they hanging out with? Who are they talking to? In this day and age, you have to be even more vigilant than ever because there's so many ways of communication. But you've got to watch your associations, amen? But the Bible is very clear that bad company corrupts good character. And if you get around the wrong people, it'll have a negative influence on you. So what do you do? Instead, get around good character people. Amen? Get around people that are going to support you in your walk with the Lord. Get around men and women that are encourage you. Amen? That are staying with you. That you can encourage each other in the Lord. and Pray one for another in the Lord. And be there for one another to protect one another as you fight this fight of faith together. But number one, if we're going to reject the world, that system that's trying to deceive us, that the devil uses, we studied, he's the prince of the world, isn't he? So he's behind that spirit. And he'll use that to sway us away from Jesus, away from his church, away from believing the word of God. So the first thing we want to do is let's choose our friends wisely. Let's watch our company. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So number one, um, watch your associations. Get around believers that love God. That'll be, get around people that are going to be supportive in your walk with the Lord. Amen. If they don't want to serve God, let them go do their own thing. You get with people 
that are going to encourage you in your walk with God. Number one, association. Number two, watch your activities. Because the wrong activities destroys our fellowship with God. I can't keep doing something that grieves Andrea's heart and continue to have a good relationship with her. It don't work that way. I can't do things that grieve her and expect to have a good, friendly, close relationship with her. Isn't that right? Common sense? All right, let's look at our next verse, um, Ephesians 5 and 11. Ephesians 5 and 11. And, and Paul, and we could read this whole section, but basically, don't give a place to the devil. Live right. Change the lifestyle. Live a lifestyle that pleases God. Live a lifestyle in order with God. Because it says here, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Don't participate in things that are sinful or that mock the things of God or that give place to the devil. Watch your activities, amen? Um, set up your life for victory, not defeat. It's amazing. Like I always say, it's a whole lot easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. Am I right? I think about it. You go on that diet, if you're like me, every other week. On the wagon, off the wagon. I'm on and off often. And you decide to go on that diet, and you're doing pretty good. Wife decides to bake chocolate chip cookies. The boys got to her. Mommy, would you? Oh, there it goes. It's over. <laughs> Next thing you know, them tall houses smelling awful good. Amen? And, you know, you do pretty good at 6 o'clock to 7. Not bad, 7 to 8. Getting a little tired. I mean, after one show. Next thing you know, boom. Now, now, it's a whole lot easier to avoid it than to resist it, isn't it? And if the thing's not there, guess what? I don't got to resist it. I just avoid it. And so if we would situate our lives wisely, it will surely help us to walk in the victory. Can you say amen? All right. Our associations and then our activities and our affections, our affections. We read last week, and if you weren't here, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, you can write that down. Don't love the world. Don't have an affection for this world and the things of the world. And talked about the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life. But how about this? Proverbs 4 and 23. Proverbs 4 and 23. Watch your affections. Guard your heart. You see, see there's a reason, parents that, that raised, parents that you, you were saved raising your kids, there, there's a big reason. You didn't want them to get too close to anyone of the opposite sex, especially that wasn't saved. Because when the affections get there, Oh, it's hard to break that off. Once, once, once the heart, amen, and the affections get, uh-oh. Isn't that right? And that's real hard, amen? Don't let that stray puppy hang around the house too long. Little girl, get, affect, get attracted to it. Get attached to it, amen? Then it's twice as hard to get rid of it. No, 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 no. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard the emotion. Guard that inner person. Those affections, oh, they get swayed easy. Guard your heart. It's the issues of life. Life flows from the heart. You've got to guard that heart. Because that emotional man can get swayed. He can get deceived. He, he can get, get a hold of. Something got a hold of him. Their affections got a hold of him. Got to break that thing off. That world has an attraction. We get saved. We find that the cross has an attraction. But the Bible teaches that, doesn't it? That to us, it's the glory of God, the power of God. To the world, it's foolishness. Isn't that what the Bible says? Us, to us who are being saved, it's the glory of God. It's the power of God. To the world, it's foolishness. And there are certain things, you reverse that, there are certain things out in that world that has a pull. And if you don't watch yourself, that thing can sway you and deceive you. You, you get weak, you get deceived before you know it. Amen? That pull of that world, make a little money. 
I've seen Christian men do things that weren't right business-wise. Somehow that thing got to them. They compromised. You see what I mean? That, that greed thing got a hold of them, that spirit of greed, materialism. Next thing you know, they were making deals that weren't right, got caught. Christian man got caught. Don't have time to go through how many people did that with the opposite sex. It's an innocent friendship, innocent nothing. You stay away if they're not your wife. Amen. You just, you just keep it nice, keep it proper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say amen. Say ouch. But my Lord, you got to watch your heart. You got to watch his affections. What's the last one? We're talking about, I want to I reject the world, protect myself from that spirit that's trying to deceive and draw me away. I'm going to watch my associations. Amen. I want to get around people that are going to encourage me in my walk with God, that are going to help me and challenge me properly. That's good. Amen. But secondly, I got to watch my activities. I got to make some lifestyle changes if I'm going to continue going forward in the Lord. And let me let me add this to it: if you want to go farther in God, God will demand some more lifestyle changes. I mean, we all got saved. We just thanking God. We knew John three sixteen. Amen. I'm glad I'm forgiven. But then, as we began to walk with God, God began to deal with certain things, didn't He? When He called us to higher places of leadership and ministry, we had to lay some other things down, didn't we? We had to make some other adjustments, didn't we? Amen? I had a friend of mine, um, pastors a wonderful church out in uh, Botkins, Ohio. That's kind of south of Lima. And um, he, he said, you know, oftentimes we pray, Lord, fill us, fill us. And sometimes we just feel like we're just filled. To, you know, we can't be filled no more. And he goes, I feel in that one time. And he goes, I like to, for recreation, he goes, I golf. So I was at the, um, the pro shop. Uh, getting um, getting my card or whatnot, and they had a big, um, um, almost like a big fishbowl of golf balls in there, and it's filled with water. And the Lord, you know, he speaks to us in ways we can understand, doesn't he? Amen? He wouldn't talk to me about anything mechanical because he knows he'd be wasting our time. Amen? But he, but he knows how to talk to us in a way. We, and and he, says, he, says, uh, he says, Peter, that, that bowl looks filled, doesn't it, with water, that that. that tank looks filled. He goes, yes, Lord. He goes, start taking those golf balls out. And you start watching that water. Sometimes we think we're filled. But God says, I want to begin to take some things out. And then you realize you're not nearly as filled as you thought you were. Woo, oh, Lord. He told me that story. I never forgot it. I said, ouch, amen, all the above, all in once. I just grunted, I think. Amen. But there's activities. Remove these things so God can have more of you. Well, how did John the Baptist say it? That, that I got to decrease so he might increase. So sometimes things have to decrease in our lives so Jesus increases. And then our affections, guard your heart. Guard your heart. I've seen people do some foolish things when their affections got taken. And I know these things are being shown, so I got to watch what I say. I've had to learn that. Wednesday nights used to be a safe haven. I could talk about anything. But now I got people from two churches ago that tend to watch these from time to time, so I got to watch myself. But I've watched some, some, some ladies get lonely. Next thing I know, they were one of the date prisoners. Can you imagine that? God, oh, Lord, help us. And just the emotions, the deception, and the affections. And when your affection goes, you are prey. They can sell you anything. Amen? If those battering eyes of hers get you, you, you just, you just you, your brain left. Isn't that right? That's just how it works. Come on, say amen to that. That's why the Bible guards your heart. God says guard that heart. Amen. He knows how he made us, and we're emotional creatures. 
And so again, we've got to watch the, the affections. We've got to watch the advice we take. Who are you listening to? Let's look at this. Let's look at this. I know most of us here can quote this, but let's just read it together. Um, Psalm 1, let's just do verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1, advice, advice. Who's, who's giving you counsel? Where are you getting your, your instruction from? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked. You want to get blessed? Stop listening to the wicked and the ungodly. Don't listen to what they think. Don't listen to what they think is morally right or wrong. They don't know. They're lost. Go to the word of God. Amen? Go to the God of the word. All right? Um, or stand in the way of sinners. Don't stand in that way. Wherever that, Get out of that way. Don't hang out. Don't go down that road. If I checked right, our shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. So if that path, not a righteous path, get off. Turn around. Take that next exit you got. Take it. Stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of mockers. Get away from people that are always mocking and complaining. Get away. It's, not, it's of the devil. It's, if they're saved, it's flesh. If they're not saved, it's from hell. Get a, the seat of mockers. Scorners. King James, scorners. They're always scorning. Oh, get away. But the delight, but his delight, the blessed man. The blessed man has rejected the advice of the world, the wisdom of the world, but instead he has a delight. He is fond. He has, he, talk about guarding your heart. His heart loves. His heart has an affection. You love your Bible? I love my Bible. You love your Bible? I love nothing like your own Bible, amen? The one you've read, the one you got notes in, the one that God spoke to you about, nothing like your Bible, amen? All right, but, bless, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's what he thinks on. That's what he meditates on, amen? When there's a problem, you know what he says? What does the Bible say about this? When he hears some politician say something, he says, what does the Bible say about that, amen? When, when he hears, well, Lord, what's the principle in your book concerning this? Lord, what's your wisdom declare concerning this? His delight is in the law of the Lord, not the law he meditates day and night. That person, the one that's rejected the wisdom of the world and the advice of the ungodly and the spirit of the mockers and complainers, but instead loves as an affection and a devotion to the word of God. That person, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. Ain't no burn out there, amen? You burn it out, you do got your roots in the right stream. That's all I'm saying. There's no burn out for the child of God. How can you burn out connected to Jesus? My Lord, that is a river whose streams make glad. Amen? Amen. That well don't run dry. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, and it yields fruit in season. And see, you're fruitful. Your life blesses others. Amen? You have a ministry, and you affect others. Your leaf doesn't wither. I like that. You know, back home, you see them, that time of year, them leaves start to really wither. Amen? It's the ugliest thing, isn't it? I mean, and, and, and I, I've seen some people like that. So, Lord, have mercy. They need a fresh filling. When you with the stream, you don't wither. And whatever he does, you know what? Prospers. There's a blessing in that. So, so we want to keep ourselves from the lure of the world and from the deceptions of the world. And how do we do that? Associations. Watch them. Activities, affections, and advice. Amen? All right, let's go now to verse number five. Verse number five. Look at here. This is an interesting verse. If you have old King James, it's really, I don't say that, it's really rough to read. It's just kind of, um, verse 5. 
Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? All right. Now, previous he was saying, look out for that world. Don't be a, don't be a friend of that world. Look out for that. And now he's going right there. He says, oh, don't, don't you understand that the scripture says, don't you get it? The scripture says that the spirit he calls, they put in your heart envies intensely. Oh, what are we talking about? Well, uh, w- w- one way to say it, that God jealously longs for the spirit that he made to live in us, the spirit he calls to live in us. God wants what he put in you. Now, let's, let's, let's bring this out here. This is one of the most difficult verses in the epistle. And again, really, scholars, you know, especially before the modern translations, um, but God has a claim on you and I by virtue of what he's done for us and what he's done. God has a claim on me. Amen? He sent his son to die for me. He's got a claim on me. And, and he ex- has an expectation for me. Amen? And James is saying, listen, don't, don't love that world. Don't, don't you realize that God put his spirit in you? And the Holy Spirit in you yearns to be with God, yearns to please God, yearns to grow in God. Get away from that. The spirit God put in you. And um, the, the NIV, again, kind of says it pr- pr- pretty well. Don't you think the scripture says that the spirit he calls to live in us envies and to envy. Envies to walk with God, envies to please God. Not to get sucked into that world because from there goes on to grace. Envies to enjoy the grace of God. Um, that God jealously longs for the spirit that he made to live in us. Again, the previous verse, he's talking about being unfaithful. Unfaithful. Don't you understand? The Holy Spirit in you yearns to conform you to the image of Jesus. The Spirit in you yearns to please God. Don't give in to the spirit of this world. Don't be sucked in by the lure of this world. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, Brother Stormont, we had a great privilege of meeting him in his 80s. And um, some 50 years earlier or so, the great Smith Wigglesworth, you know, I spent time with him, preached at his church, and um, he, wrote, he wrote one of the biographies. And one day, Brother Wigglesworth said to, to Brother um, Stormont, George, God wants all he's got in you. God wants all he's got in you. You'll find it in the book of James. Well, Brother Stormont said, I went through, I was a young man, you know, late 20s, early 30s, I went through the book of James a few times on my knees, and I still wasn't quite, what verse is he talking about? Got out my Greek helps, and finally I came, and finally it dawned on me. And this man of God, who before all these modern translations that kind of bring it clearer, he just would get revelation of the Spirit. He wasn't a very schooled man. He didn't learn to read till he was an adult, but he knew God, and, um, and, and I love it. God wants all he's got in you. God's put something in each one of us, and God wants it. God wants it to grow. God wants, God, you know, you put a ring on someone's finger, you have an expectation. Isn't that right? God puts something in our heart more than any diamond or gold, or, and God has an expectation. You see, and that, that, that's a beautiful thing here. Um, again, God has a passionate desire for a full response from the spirit that he put in us. Go ahead, look at um, Philippians. Here's a good supporting verse. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Here's a good supporting verse for verse 5. 
because they're being swayed by the world and they're acting like the world. They're fighting one another. Amen? Their prayers couldn't even get answered because he said your motives were impure. And he says, don't you realize that, that God put his spirit in you? He, he desires something from that. God made a deposit in you. He wants to return. And this is, we're familiar with this, these verses, aren't we? Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't say to work for it. We don't work for it. We receive it by putting our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. Amen. But once I get saved, salvation, the initial crisis experience, salvation leads to a lifelong process of sanctification, walking with God, growing with God. So once I get saved and God makes his great deposit in my heart, he puts his spirit in me. He makes me a new creature. And I'm born again, but I'm kind of a, a baby Christian. Amen. But yet God put his spirit in me. And he says, now um, I want you to work with me, work out your salvation, develop it, mature it, grow it. With fear and trembling, verse 13, for God's going to work with you if you'll work with God. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Isn't that beautiful? That, that goes beautiful with our, our verse in James. God's put his spirit within us, and God desires a return. God desires a life lived to glorify him. God desires to see us grow and honor him and become like Jesus. And here we see it again. And we've said this before, and the imagery from this comes from the, the mines, the silver mines, the, the um, iron mines. Back in the Bible days, you know, the mine would have the, the um, minerals would be in the mountain, right? They wouldn't have to put them in there, but you'd have to go in there and get them out, wouldn't you? God put his treasure in this earthen vessel. And then as we walk with God, this treasure expands and increases and matures. So again, verse 5, where, where James is talking about, hey, don't believe the world. Don't be swayed by the world. Don't act like the world. Don't you know God made a deposit in you? He put his Holy Spirit in you. And God longs for everything. He, God, God wants all he's got in you. He wants us to grow and mature. All right, verse 5. Now we go to verse 6. So we found out in verse 4 and 5, we're going to reject the world, amen? But now, verse 6, now we've got to tap into God's grace. We gotta, I, say, and I say that purposely. We've got to tap into God's grace. You can have it and not use it. And can you say amen to that? The grace of God is rich, it's vast, it's abundant, it's sufficient. I believe that. Do you believe that? The Bible teaches that, amen? But yet not everyone's tapping into the grace of God. You don't tap into the grace of God merely by singing amazing grace. We don't tap into the grace of God. Merely, and we're going to learn these next handful of verses, maybe seven, seven commands that he gives, seven imperatives that he gives, urges that he gives to help us tap into the grace of God. You got to learn how to work the thing. Learn how to tap into it. The grace of God, the grace of God. I mean, there's enough grace out there to save the whole world. How many know the world's not getting saved right now? They're not tapping into the grace of God, are they? You want to tap into the grace? Believe Christ. Put your, give heart, get your heart to Christ. The grace is there, is it, amen? But you've got to do something to tap into it. We're going to learn that. We're going to learn that. Verse 6, God gives us more grace. You don't got to be swayed by that world. You don't got to be defeated. God gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, thank God the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. All right, let's look at this. This is where it starts. Here's our context. We want to tap into the grace of God. God has given you and I grace. 
to stay faithful, to resist the world, to keep our, our first love, grace to stay loyal to God, grace to keep loving the brethren, grace to live in this world but not be of the world. How about that? How many of there, there's grace available for everything we need to live this Christian life successfully? Amen? If it wasn't so, that wouldn't be fair, would it? Grace is given to whosoever will. You can have this grace. You've got to do your part to tap into it. You've got to do your part to release it. Amen? You've got to do your part. You've got to learn how to turn that engine on. You've got to learn. I know a lot of you can have to be around an engine and not know how to turn it on. You've got to learn how to release the grace of God in your life. Amen? That's why sometimes, what's wrong? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong. Faith is an action word. And it's faith. The action of faith that releases the goodness of grace. Some people just sit and listen, but they don't act. You can listen to Billy Graham's top ten salvation messages and still go straight to hell if you don't respond and come to Christ. Are you with me? Amen? And a lot of Christians, they can hear the word, but they're not applying the word, not building their house on the word, not, not doing what needs to be done to release this grace. So we're going to look at this together. We receive this grace by being humble. It starts right out, grace to the humble. One of the first keys you're going to find out, you want the grace to flow? Humble. Walk in humility towards God and towards one another. Stay humble. Pride clogs it up. Isn't that right? So pride just, it just doesn't number on it. We receive the humble, the surrendered, submission. We, we see all that. We see all that. The cure for the conflict. See, that's going to be our next um, Roman numeral, the cure for the conflict. And we're going to see how to appropriate the grace of God. God gives us a cure for church strife, for world's attacks, and it's the grace of God. And we learn how to tap into that, how to respond to keep that grace flowing. The cure is understanding, receiving the grace of God. See, the same grace that initiates a believer into fellowship, the same grace that saves us, is the same grace that keeps us and develops us and matures us and helps us to overcome. Again, the same grace that we get into fellowship with God sustains that fellowship. In spite of all the world's pressure, God's grace is greater. In spite of where you got to go in the will of God, God's grace consists. God's grace is greater. God's grace. How to appropriate, we're going to study this in the next couple of weeks, how to appropriate the grace of God that he has made available to us. It's a terrible thing to have something and not be able to, to, to plug into it. Isn't that sad? It's one thing when you don't have it. Imagine having it. You don't know how to use it. You got it, and you don't know how to tap into it. You want to learn how to tap into the grace of God. Verses 7 through 12, James gives a series of imperatives to communicate nine key principles. We'll take two or three weeks. Nine key principles of God's grace for us. Nine ways to open our hearts and open up our lives for the grace of God. What a beautiful thought, the grace of God. Look at it quickly as we will close this down, the grace of God. How about Romans 5 and 20? Romans 5 and 20, the grace of God. And we're going to study that. He's going to give us, point out, how do I release the grace of God? How do you release the grace of God? The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Where sin increased, grace 
You know, the grace of God, no matter how bad the world is, the grace of God is greater. No matter how pressure-filled your situation, the grace of God is greater. I, I went through a stack of letters from missionaries the other day, and I picked one up, and it was one of those letters, um, Pastor, don't, don't print this, or don't, if you, if you tell, tell this story, don't say where it's from. This is one of those countries where the government officials, it's anti-Christian, and it's a very dangerous place. But he went on to say, he says, there's such a move of God underneath in this, probably in the Middle East somewhere, underneath in these Darius villages that were hardcore Muslim and so forth, and, and some were Jewish, and, and, but Christianity spreading. He goes, and there was this one village, mostly Muslims, and, and there was a lady, uh, there was a house of ill repute in that town. And obviously Muslims, they don't have much tolerance for anything that isn't Muslim. They burned down the house. But the Christians in that area went and helped this lady rebuild her home. And they witnessed to her. And, and, and the head of the house, she got gloriously saved. Baptized in water. Baptized in the Holy Ghost. She put this verse up on her little home. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And, and the Christians witnessing to the Muslims in their village say, see, that's what the power of love does opposed to the power of hate. The power of hate just burned down. The power of love, what got gospel, good news. That where sin abounds, where the worst and most ugliest of sin, the grace of God is even greater. God's grace can save any life, transform any heart. The grace of God, the grace of, amen? So I'm excited when I study the grace of God. Because sometimes people think grace, when I was younger, I used to think grace was like luck. I remember these knuckleheads in Bible school and they weren't disciplined and they weren't devoted. And somebody would say, oh, well, God use it. He'll use your, I don't God use him. They're lazy. They're not getting up and they're not, you know, I just had a sports mentality. You got to work harder than the next guy. You got to run harder and, and exercise more and discipline. I mean, it's all work, work, work. Grace sounded like luck. What do you mean? They're not going to do anything. God's just going to bless. Didn't like it. Didn't understand it. So I looked at grace as a weaker thing. But as I began to study that Bible, grace is a mighty thing. Grace is a wonderful thing. Grace is a powerful thing. And I want to learn how to release it in my life. Amen? I, I want to learn how to tap into it so it can flow in my And I want the grace of God, and we're going to get into this in a handful of um, verses we'll look at. I want the grace of God to flow in a stronger measure in my life. How about that? You know, sometimes when, when you live on a well, maybe your home has a filter. You, you can have water running, all of a sudden it's not running as strong as it should be. And you know, it's good Lord, it's rainy season. You know, there's plenty of rain and plenty of water in that well. What's the problem? Filter get plugged up, right? Got to change the filter. You know, sometimes we, we get things in our life that start plugging up. That stronger flow of God's grace. That stronger, isn't that true? And other times it might just be a dry time and the well's going to go dry and we need rain, Lord, we need some freshing. But I want the grace of God to flow in a good measure. Because I need the grace of God. Amen. That's what I learned. I didn't understand it as a youngster. Because I just understood a, the mentality of you work harder, you fight harder, you get what you earn. And, you know, let the weak fall along the wayside and the strong survive. It's a very athletic type of mentality. And I didn't understand the grace of God. Now I understand the grace of God. I want to do everything I can so the grace can flow in my life. I need the grace of God. 
any of the grace of God. Let's look at another verse, uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those that are older. And all of you, all, that's all of us, clothe yourselves with humility. Put humility on. Be humble one toward another. As an elder among you, I appeal towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace. There it is again. God gives grace where? To the humble. Towards one another. Not just to God. Amen. We are humble before God, of course. But the Bible also says humble towards one another. We want God's grace to flow in a strong measure. How do we treat one another? How do we walk with one another? Humble yourselves. You want promotion? Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he might what? Lift you up. Wow. Humility. Okay. Well, that's. Let me give you one more verse. Hebrews 4 and 16. And then we're going to wind it down. I'll just give you the outline of what we're going to study in the following weeks. But you know what? For all of our needs, God has grace. For all of your needs, God has grace. And we want to study. And James is trying to teach them how to tap into the grace of God. Because they didn't know how to tap into it. And that's why they were fighting. Amen? That's why, you know, they tried prayer and prayer didn't work. And they were trying to manipulate things and, and be carnal. and Get things the carnal way. And James tried to say, no, 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 don't you understand? God's grace is greater. God's grace can meet your needs. Do it God's way. Get in line with the plan of God. Let us approach the throne of, wow. Aren't you glad it's no longer, for us, it's no longer the throne of judgment or condemnation? Those of us that know the Lord, amen. Isn't it good that you know, when you go to his throne, it's a throne of grace? I know none of you probably ever were called down to the principal's office, but I had a trip or two in my day. And, and I know when you're heading down that hallway, oh, only thing on your mind is I don't care about anything else. Just let them call home. As long as you don't call home, I can survive it. Amen? I can detention. I can do all that. As long as Dad don't find out. Dad finds out, well, there's going to be a sore day. But anyhow, another story for another day. Let us approach the throne of grace. When I go before the Father, it's a throne of grace. It's not the principal's office. Amen? Hallelujah. Let us approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive mercy. Woo! <laughs> Sometimes I did get mercy. Most of the time I got detention. Amen. <laughs> receive mercy and, and, and find grace. And what's grace going to do? It's going to help us in our time of need. But you don't know what I need is. Don't make any difference. God's grace can meet your need. But you don't know the situation. Doesn't make any difference. God's grace will help you get through that situation and deal with that issue and overcome that thing and press on for that thing. Glory to God forever. Okay. Now, this is what we're going to look at in the next few weeks. Because we're going to try to, I, I want to um, live in a way where God's grace can flow in a strong measure in my life. I want the grace of God in my home. I want the grace of God in my marriage. Anybody? Come on. I want there to be grace with my relationship, with my parents, with my kids, certainly with my congregation. I want the grace of God to help me overcome the old me. Because the old me is not a nice person. Amen? I want the grace of God to help me with battles that come. Because we're fighting this fight of fight, and there's a real devil. I need the grace. So we're, we're going to learn, like, for instance, in verse 7. I, I want to receive the grace of God. I'm going to relinquish control of my life. Relinquish. It says submit, doesn't it? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I, I'm going to relinquish control, surrender, and submission, releasing grace. I'm going to resist the devil then. 7B, 
That's the flip side. I'm going to yield to God, but I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to stand on that word. I'm going to be a person of prayer. Amen. I'm going to do, I'll put on that armor of God. We're going to study that. And I'm going to restore, this is verse 8 now, I'm going to restore worship as a priority. You want grace, you've got to learn to worship. You want grace, you've got to learn to draw near to the throne of grace. That makes sense, doesn't it? I want grace. Well, that's the throne of grace. You better get there if you want grace. How do you get to worship? Enter those gates with thanksgiving, courts with praise. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah, good. Will you, go, oh, yeah, will you do that for me? Restore worship to a priority. Go on to the next one. We'll just walk it through like this. Reject sinful attitudes. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to me. Then, then I'm going to wash my hands. All right? That, that's my actions. Purify my heart. That's my attitudes. Amen. Remember the filter illustration? I want the find the grace flowing. Well, maybe I got an attitude in here clogging up my filter. That's happened once or twice, right? Why ain't that water going? Everyone else got water? The well's fine. Your filter's full. And sometimes God says, you know, you got some stuff in your filter. And if you can get those attitudes right, that grace can flow. We're going to study that. Reject simple attitudes. The next one, what we're going to do on verse 9, um, react to sin with sorrow. This is about mourning. I mean, l- learn how to be sincere. And we say, God, forgive me. Don't just take it for granted. Don't treat it like it's a rabbit's foot. Let there be sincerity. You know, when you, whenever you would hurt anyone that you really love, it hurts you. It has to hurt you. You know it hurts you. Amen? And there's probably, you know, certain people in, in, in life, two or three people that, you know, your wife, your mother, your kids, anyone you're, you're going to hurt, they're the last ones you're going to hurt. Amen? If anyone you're going to, and I'll be like that with the Lord, is what I'm getting at. That there ought to be a sensitivity. God, you've been so good to me. When I, when I do miss it, Lord, I, I want to say, forgive me, Lord. I want to really be contrite and not just be flippant. I'm not, not giving in to condemnation, not giving in, but there's got to be. So again, react to sin with sorrow. We're going to mourn. Um, what's the next one? Refrain from frivolous attitudes. The next one, respond humbly to success. Is there one more? Refuse to slander your brother. Next week, we're going to look at relinquish control, resist the devil, and restore worship. How about that? Let's cover those next time. Because we want the grace of God to flow. Amen? Father, we thank you for your amazing grace, the grace that has saved us and the grace that keeps us going and keeps us strong, the grace that came to us and the grace that works in us and the grace that flows through us as we faithfully serve you. Help us, Lord, in these next few studies to learn how to live in a way where your amazing grace can minister to our hearts in a strong way and flow from our lives in a strong way. Help us, Lord, to receive the rich blessing of the grace of God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, God bless.